0: Say that I'm really excited and uh, the, uh, the scriptures and, and the passages that Reed and Josh have already done uh, on this subject have been very powerful. And uh, I just pray that uh, we get uh, much, much more out of this again today. Really looking forward to it. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day that you've blessed us with. Father, we thank you for this time. Uh, Father, we just uh, pray that uh, as Josh uh, gives this sermon today, Father, that we have open minds, that uh, our hearts are touched by the uh, lesson that uh, Josh gives today. Father, we pray that uh, the words that Josh speaks, Father, are your words. Father, comfort him. Uh, give him peace and uh, comfort as he delivers this message today. Father, we, just, uh, we thank you for this building that you've blessed us with. Father, we thank you for our teachers of our youth. Uh, Father, bless them as they uh, work with our youth today. Father, we just ask that you be with the members of our congregation that are not with us today, uh, whether they're traveling or uh, maybe they're just uh, physically sick. Father, we just ask that your healing hand be upon them. Uh, Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.
1: morning. morning. Mind if I pray again? God, we just wait on you here this morning. We want to hear you speak. We want to be served by you. So God, give us ears to hear what you have to say today. God, grant me words to speak that would be edifying and build up and strengthen and encourage and challenge and console and inspire. In all things, I pray that Christ would be exalted, that, God, you would be glorified through him, that your spirit would come, your spirit would come in power. We need you to teach us. We need you to show us what your word says here. I pray that the enemy would have no place here this morning. We know that he um, is like a bird who seeks to snatch seed as it's sown. The seed is your word. God, I pray that he would find no place here to snatch what's sown this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Be our teacher. Be our instructor. Lead us to Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't think it's an overstatement, though it may sound like one to say that one of the top privileges in your life is to serve in the church. I'm going to say that again, because you might be trying to clear your ears out, okay? I don't think it's an overstatement, though it may sound like one, that one of the top privileges in your life is to serve in the church. Serving in the church is such an amazing, amazing thing. Think about what the church is. The church is called God's family. It's called God's house. In other places, it alludes to an army, God's army. The church is the congregation or the gathering of God's people. And think about what God's people are called in the scripture. They are called saints. They're called holy ones. They're called God's beloved children. In Psalm 16, David says something amazing. He says, and about the saints in the land, they are the most excellent ones and whom is all of my delight. But I wonder how many agree with me. And probably most here, if you've been in church long, may agree intellectually. You might think, well, the Bible probably says something about the privilege of serving somewhere. So I'm not saying that you wouldn't agree intellectually, but I wonder how many agree affectionately with what I'm saying when I say that serving in God's family, serving in the church is an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. Now notice, no arm twisting, no pressurized sales pitch, no legalistic requirements, at least not yet, right? Ah, but you may be thinking but you're just like a slick infomercial salesman. You know those guys, right? They, they come and they sell you their product and they show you all the wonders of the product and they say it's only for 99 cents. Overstating things in order to get the sale, but I'm not doing that either. Serving in the church is such an amazing, amazing, glorious thing because it's all grace. It's all grace. It's all grace from beginning to end. Now, to be sure there's obedience, to be sure to serve in the church is to labor, to be sure there's hard things to do, but it is a glorious and grace-filled thing from beginning to end. Now, if I were a slick, infomercial salesman, I would want you to trust what I'm saying, at face value, right? I would just say, just take my word for it. And I would hide the fine print on the bottom of the screen, really, really small. You can't see it. But rather than taking my word for it, what I want to do is I want to show you this from the Bible. For my word means nothing if it's not what God says. So I want to show you from the scriptures that this is, I think, what this passage we're looking at today says. I want you to believe what I'm saying because I think it's what the Bible says. I want you to believe what I've told you because I think it's what our text here this morning says to us. So if you would just allow me to read these two verses again, just two verses, and then we're going to jump in to and try to unpack what Peter says here. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each has received a gift. Let these words sink in. As each has received a gift and ever here's the big idea i want you to get from this passage the big idea i want you to get from this passage this is the overarching idea i want you to get from this passage and it comes in the form of an imperative or a just a straightforward statement a command you might say and it's this don't serve in the church out of dutiful obligation don't do it but rather out of gracious delight Let me say that again. Don't serve in the church out of dutiful obligation. Okay, you got that sheet in your hand? Or if you go out to the Welcome Center, you see those? Don't sign up for something out of dutiful obligation, but rather out of gracious delight. Now, to buy into this, I better unpack this statement in this passage, right? So to buy into this, you may need to rethink some things about serving in the church. You may need to rethink some things about serving in the church. So this morning, I want us to rethink service in the church. And I want us to do it in three areas. First, I want us to rethink the generosity of God. Next, I want us to rethink our identity. And third, I want us to rethink our activity. If I was to say to you, I want you to rethink. I want you to think differently or think again or think deeper or think In a different way about God's generosity. I want you to think more and deeper and different about your identity. And I want you to think different or rethink your activity. First, I want us to rethink. I want you to rethink the generosity of God. I'm convinced that at the beginning of verse 10, many people read the beginning of verse 10 like this. If you have received a gift... Many of you perhaps have read the beginning of verse 10 in this way as well. You've read it like this. If anyone has received a gift, or if I have received a gift, I probably should use it because that's what God would want me to do. But no one here, not a single person who is in Christ, who trusts in Jesus, who is saved by his blood, not one person here should suppose that they are like a child sitting around the Christmas tree while their brothers and sisters are getting gifts, and you're sitting there with nothing in front of you. Or no one here should think that they've been called to service in an army, and given no weapons with which to fight. No one here should think that they're put on a sports team, and the only thing you're good for is to sit at the end of the bench. Picking up on this, this sports team I remember hearing John Wimber once say that when it comes to serving in the church, the gifts of the Holy Spirit given and distributed to God's people, we all get to play. I was talking to someone last week who said he played basketball up until about the sixth grade, and in the sixth grade, all he did was sat on the bench and he figured, I do not want to do this for another year. It's not like that in the church. No one is called to into Christ. No one is called to Jesus. No one puts their faith in Christ and then is relegated to a spot at the end of the bench. Why? Well, because verse 10 says something very different than if you've received a gift. Look at verse 10 again. The the very first phrase, it says, "...as each has received a gift." As each one has received a gift. The assumption is that each one has received past tense. Okay? Each one who is in Christ, each one who trusts in Jesus, each one who's born again by the Spirit of God made alive in Christ has received a gift. So let's break down this phrase. As each has a gift. This, of course, is in accord with Paul. Paul is probably, we might think that he is the authority on spiritual gifts. Well, he and Peter are completely in sync on this point. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul says, Each one, to each one is given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. So to each one is given... Now, some might be th- saying, well, if I have a gift, or I think I do, but it seems like such an insignificant gift. So, NASB, I think, does a good job at saying, putting a word in here that maybe isn't in the Greek, but I think it's implied. It says, as each has received a special gift. A special gift. Pa- Peter's not talking about just human talent that you were born with. Okay, you're tall, you can shoot baskets, something, it's like, okay, you're going to be a basketball player. He's saying, at, Peter's saying, as each has received a special gift, signifying that it's not just natural abilities, but it's God's ability, God's supernatural ability given to his children. This is what's in view here. Peter says, as each one has received a gift. Not natural abilities, but a special gift from God. So as each one has received a gift, it's not something that we get on our own, it's something that God gives to us. Something that we receive from the hand of God, from the open, gracious hand of our Father. Gifts are things that God gives, it's things that He gives Freely, It's nothing that we could ever, in a million years, of our best moments, we could never earn them. God gives graciously to his children. We could not pay or coerce God out of a gift in order for him to give it to us. So, without, without irreverence, I hope, I, I may rephrase verse 10 like this. As our gracious God has given a special gift to each of his children. Each child of God, each believer in Christ, once the Spirit of God dwells in them, has been given, has been given a special gift from God, has been given graciously by God, empowerment, strength, in order to serve him and his people. So we need to rethink our gracious And generous God who gives gifts to each of his children, to every single one. I want you to say with me, let me say it first then say it with me. As each one has received a gift, say it with me. As each one has received a gift, God is generous and gracious with his children. He invites you to come and sit around his table and open up the package he's given to you. Open up the gifts that he's given to you. So rethink the generosity of God. But we also need to rethink our identity. Not only has God been generous with us and graciously given us gifts, but he fundamentally changes our identity in terms of how we serve or how we're called to serve in the church. This passage says that those who have received gifts, namely all believers in Jesus, have a certain identity. Do you see it in this passage? It's at the end of verse 10. As each one has received a gift, use it as good stewards of God's varied grace. We are called in this passage stewards of grace. We are called stewards of grace. A steward is maybe not a very common word in our culture now. Think of manager. We are called to be managers of grace. Think about this. You are not God's employee. He is not your boss. Okay? I think some, many people see God as, as a boss. They're working for him in kind of this, this employer-employee relationship. That's not the way that it is. You are not working in God's sweatshop when you're called to service. He is not your taskmaster. You are a steward of grace. You are a manager of grace. The picture of that, that the steward of grace, this phrase steward of grace, the picture that we get is of an owner of a house who has left stewards in charge of his estate and has given to each a portion of his re- rich resources in order to manage. What an amazing privilege. Think about this. God has given us a portion of his rich resources. We are called stewards of grace. What this first means is that if you are in Christ, you have received rich and glorious grace for you have been brought into God's own house. To be a steward of grace means to be brought into God's house and be given rich resources and be given a portion of the estate in which to manage. You've been brought into God's house. The God of all grace, Peter says in 1 Peter 5.10, has richly lavished his grace upon You, If you are in Christ, I love this phrase. Paul Paul uses it in in Ephesians 1. That he's lavished his grace upon us. Lavished it. It's like we are dripping and overflowing with God's rich grace. Now, I'm sure at a gathering of this size, it's a small gathering, but it's a big enough gathering, that there's one or two or perhaps ten people here, that when I say God has lavished his grace upon us, you may not know what I mean. You may be wondering, what does he mean by that? Lavish grace. I know of no better place to turn than Ephesians chapter 1, which has been a passage I've been looking at for the last probably three weeks or so. Actually, probably since the beginning of the year. Listen to what Paul says. I'm just going to read several verses here and think about how grace has come To you through Jesus Christ. Now, this is for the believer in Christ, right? So, as I'm saying these things, if right now you're like, I don't know what that means, right now, as I read these verses, look to Jesus and grace is lavished upon you. Paul says this Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. So the first grace given, it's anchored in eternity past. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Next, grace. He's adopted us into his family. We once were like orphans. We once were alienated from God, and he didn't just bring us into his yard. He brought us right into his home. He adopted us into his family according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved or in Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future, they're all taken care of through Christ and in Christ. The riches of his grace which he lavished upon us, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 13, In Him you also, when you heard the gospel of truth, the the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and now lives inside of us. Grace has been given to us. Grace has been lavished upon us. Do you know this lavish grace that has been given to you? That right now, by virtue of being in Christ, God loves you with an everlasting love and bestows upon you the highest honor of being called a son of God. Yes, women, you too, right? It's more of a, 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 a stature thing. You are called a son of God. You were brought right into his family and called a son of God. Grace has been lavished upon you. You are called a steward of this grace. Now, the only way that you can manage grace well is when you know that it's been poured out upon you, right? The only way that you can manage grace or steward grace is when you know that it has come to you so richly and so freely through Jesus. So first, to be a steward of grace means that you have received God's rich and glorious grace in a lavish way, in a glorious way. But it also means that he has entrusted this grace to us. He's entrusted it to us. It says we are called good stewards, or we, we are to be good stewards. We are called stewards of God's varied grace. This phrase, varied grace, means various sorts or even varied colors of grace. So if I could use another analogy, think of a color palette and God has this canvas, white canvas, and each of us are stewards of a beautiful color of grace and all part of a painting. And God, the God of all grace, the God of glorious grace, who has poured out his grace upon us as we steward his grace well. It's like he picks us up and makes a stroke on the canvas and picks somebody else up and makes a stroke on the canvas and picks somebody else up and makes a stroke on the canvas. And he's making a beautiful mosaic of his grace. Wouldn't it be terrible if we were all the same and we all had to fit some very restricted mold of one or two gifts God's varied grace means that it's multicolored, means that it's, it's, there's various sorts of grace that God has poured out upon his children and we are called stewards of this varied grace. God is not the God of grays and blacks and whites only. He is a God of varied grace and it's glorious grace. So we need to rethink our identity. You need to rethink your identity And third, we need to rethink our activity. You need to rethink your activity. If God has lavished his grace upon us, if he has given gifts to us, what is our activity of service in the church but giving away what has been freely given to us? What what else is it? He's given, He's poured out, He's lavished upon us. He's given so freely and so richly, we are overflowing with grace. And it's simply to allow God to use us to be a vessel through which His grace flows to others. So our activity is this. It's to use our gifts, whether it's a speaking gift or a service gift, to speak in such a way that it's God speaking. Or to serve in such a way that it's God-serving. Now, it's fitting to get to the activity or to get to the service part after we've laid the groundwork of grace. How many know here that the Christian message is not primarily about what you do? But it's primarily supremely about what God has done through Jesus Christ and then receiving that free gift through Christ. And then God is working in and what he's working in, we work out, right? So now it's safe to talk about our activity. It's safe to talk about your activity. Now, what do we do? Okay. What do we do now? You've received a gift. It's been given freely. God has lavished his grace. He calls you a steward of grace. Now what? God has given gifts to his children. He's lavished grace. And it's not meant to stop with us. No dead end here, right? It doesn't come to me and meet a dead end. At least it's not supposed to. Grace has been given, lavished upon me by the God of all grace Gifts have been given to me. I've been called a steward of grace. Now I am to be a good steward that acts like a distribution center. Things are flowing through me and I'm just distributing. Wherever I go, hopefully, right? That's where we're called to. That's where we're going. That's the activity. Grace has come. Jesus puts it this way. Matthew 10, he sends out his disciples and he says this, freely you've received. Freely give. Freely you've received. You've received freely. So freely. God has, without anything that we could ever possibly do to merit it, God has poured out mercy, grace, love, forgiveness, salvation. He's given it to us. His spirit lives inside of us. We are children of God. And we could never look inside of us and say, well, I'm a child of God because thus and so of what I did. We only look away, we look at Christ and we say, what grace, what grace. And because of that, freely we've received, because he's freely lavished his grace on us, we are called to freely give what he's given to us. Our activity is simply to distribute what God has given to us. I think a wonderful picture of this is when Jesus is feeding the multitudes, and there's a few different accounts of this, a couple different accounts of this, where he's feeding the multitudes, and you remember, I believe it was Philip that said, how are we going to feed all these, because Jesus said, feed the people, and Philip said, how are we going to do that? We don't have enough money. Jesus said, well, what do we have? We have a few fish and a couple of loaves of bread. All right, tell the people to sit down. Jesus took the little bit of food, performed a miracle, right? He looked up and blessed God and began breaking it apart. And what did he do? Did he call people, the groups forward to give? No, he gave it to his apostles. He gave them the food and they distributed to the people. The miracle, Christ did the miracle, right? They just gave it away. They just distributed it to the people. Christ is a miracle worker. Christ is all-powerful. Christ has all knowledge. And we simply want to tap into his strength and give away what he gives us. We simply want to tap into his knowledge and his words and speak what he gives us to speak. If I once was a dried-up riverbed apart from Christ, lifeless no life, a dried up riverbed. But then Christ came and his spirit came rushing in like the ocean of God's grace. Now that his life-giving waters are flowing through me, I should not seek to construct a dam to keep it to myself, but let it flow through me freely. Jesus said, if anyone thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes out of me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Gracious life should flow out of us because of the gracious life that God has freely lavished upon us and poured into us. So we distribute grace. We distribute grace. See how I said it's grace from beginning to end? We distribute grace. We serve others by distributing grace. <clears throat> but we do it in a particular way. And I want us to see how P- Peter unpacks this. First, we see Peter. He breaks gifts into two broad categories. He speaks of speaking and serving gifts, or he says those who speak and those who serve. Now, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 have more exhaustive lists, detailed lists of the gifts of the Spirit, you know, especially 1 Corinthians 12. I don't think it's an exhaustive list, but it gives certainly more eight or nine or ten gifts that Paul outlines there. Romans 12 has some others as well. But I think every one of those gifts would probably fall into one of these two categories. A speaking gift or a gift of service. So let's take a look at these two. Peter says this in verse 11. Whoever speaks should speak as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever speaks, he shouldn't just speak his own words. He shouldn't just say, I have a a speaking gift, so I'm just going to speak. But he should speak oracles of God. He should seek to speak God's very words. The word translated oracles is a fairly uncommon word in the Bible. There's only three other places it's used. And it just means divine speech. So I kind of have a hard time truncating this and saying that is talking about like a gift of prophecy where God gives us a spontaneous thought in our mind and we speak it or a word of knowledge. But I also have a hard time truncating this, at least in my mind, truncating this to only being reciting the Bible to people. Okay? I don't think it's probably either one of those in a restricted sense. Clearly, Peter is prohibiting merely one's own words Because he doesn't say, whoever speaks, let him speak. He says, whoever speaks, let him speak utterances of God. So I think Peter is saying that we should seek to have our minds informed by the Bible. Okay? Our minds informed by the Bible. Not perfectly. Okay? But we should seek to have our minds informed by the Bible. Our hearts connected with God's heart. And seek to be led by the Holy Spirit. And speak a word fitting for the moment, depending on who we're talking to. You, uh, that makes sense? Our mind's informed by the Bible, right We want to say God's words. We don't want to just say whatever comes to our minds. A heart that's connected with God, because how many know you can know the Bible and miss the heartbeat of God. Right? You can. You can see the Bible as an end in itself rather than as a window to look through and see God and connect with God. So a heart connected with God and seek to be led by the Holy Spirit. So it's not some stale thing we're just saying, led by the Holy Spirit to to speak a word fitting for the moment. So what does this look like? What does it practically look like? You probably know, and many of you are very gifted in this, but here's a few Thoughts that came to my mind. Someone is in the grip of a fiery trial. Verse 11 of our text here this morning, or the next verse after our text this morning, says that people that Peter's writing to are in a fiery trial. So I just came, okay, fiery trial. We've gone through fiery trials. You have. What this looks like is someone coming alongside them to speak a word of deep comfort, encouragement, and consolation. Right? A word of deep comfort, encouragement, and consolation. Someone's caught in sin. What this looks like is coming alongside them and speaking a word of reproof. Right, God's words, a word of reproof, but also a reminder of what Christ has done. And a gracious words of forgiveness and cleansing through Jesus Christ. Some here are, and I'm I'm just speaking this because I want you to be inspired this morning. I don't want just to give you what the Bible says, but I want you to be moved in your own heart this morning that some of you are gifted in this way. Some here are particularly gifted to speak words of prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. God has gifted you in a powerful way to do that. Speak the utterances of God. Some here are particularly particularly gifted to teach, whether it's a small group or children or youth. Speak the utterances of God. Seek to have your mind informed, your heart connected, led by the Spirit speaking God's words. Others here are gifted to preach, perhaps to a congregation, perhaps to a group like this or bigger. seek to speak the utterances of God. Let your mind be filled with the scriptures, your heart affectionately connected to God's heart and your will submitted to the spirit and speak. Okay, so that's speaking. Whoever serves, Peter says, later in verse 11, as one who serves by the strength which God supplies. Whoever serves should do it, not in their own strength, but intentionally drawing from God's strength. Here's how I envision this, okay? Whether it's something that you deem small or big, something that you think you can do in your own strength, all right? I can pass these trays in my own strength. I don't need God's help, right? Or something big that you're like, I could never do that, but I'm being called on to do it. Whatever it is, you take a moment if you have to and say, God, I'm going to do this thing. And I don't want to draw from your strength. I want to serve in your strength. I don't want to do this in my own strength. I want to serve in your strength. Even this thing I could do on my own, I want to do it in your strength. I want you to supply to me your strength to do this. So, a family in a crisis. And you feel impressed to take their kids for a night or a weekend. That would take the strength of the Lord, right? Especially if you have your own kids. Draw from God's supply. Don't say, I can do that. No problem. I can do that. Draw from God's supply. A brother or sister sick, diseased, or laid up in bed with a bad back. Some here are in a powerful way, gifted with gifts of healings to pray and see one healed. Do it in God's strength, relying upon his strength that he supplies. Some are gifted to serve in unseen ways. We have many here gifted to serve in unseen but enormously important ways. Serve. With the strength that God supplies. God has put this in you. Draw from his supply. And serve. Intentionally. Draw from his supply. Just say. Jesus if you set apart from you. I can do nothing. I don't want to try to do anything apart from you. Thank you. Amen. So rethink your Activity. Speak in such a way that your speaking is God speaking. Serve in such a way that your serving is God serving. Now, why am I putting so much emphasis on serving, speaking, serving generally, or speaking and serving in a particular way? Why can't I just say, hey, listen, if you're gifted to speak, just speak. Or if you're, if if, you know what, there's lots of lots of people here. You can do things. Just serve. Just find a way to serve. Well, the reason why I'm putting so much emphasis is because we are given two purposes for why we are called to serve in this way, and why God intends for it to be all grace. He intends for it to be all grace from beginning to end. Even the sweat, even the hard work, even the labor, we're drawing from his strength, from his supply, so it's all grace, all right? So here's, I have one subordinate purpose and one ultimate purpose. This is how we're gonna end this morning, okay? One subordinate purpose, one ultimate purpose. The subordinate purpose is this. We are to serve, whether it's speaking or getting our hands dirty and serving, nitty-gritty serving coming along people and serving them in a particular way first so that the church is served best and most effectively. Okay? So that the one another among us, right? Peter says this, we've received gifts so that we can serve one another. Who's the one another? We, of course, we should serve everyone. We should serve everyone we come into contact with as God opens the door and allows. But... The emphasis here is that the church would be well served. That God would be building up his church through you and me. Serving one another. So we're to serve in this way where we're drawing from God's supply. Where we're speaking his words. We're longing to speak his words and careful to speak his words. And wanting to draw from His supply in every task that we do. So that the church is served best and most effectively When stewards of God's lavish grace serve in his strength and speak his words, God is serving and God is speaking. And when we're not serving or not speaking in this way, it's just us. It might be nice, right? But it's God intends that he would serve and he would speak through our service and our speaking. The Lord Loves to serve and speak to his children. He loves to, bringing great blessing to them. And he loves to do this through other children of his. Stewards of grace. Which leads me to the ultimate purpose. <clears throat> the ultimate purpose that we're to do it, in a, that, that God is calling on us to draw from his strength, to see ourselves as stewards of grace. To use the gifts that He's given us to serve, and to do it in a particular way, is so that God is glorified. It's so that God is glorified. It's not about us getting accolades. It's not about people being seen. It's not about even secretly, right, patting ourselves on the back. It's about God getting glory, and that's that's Peter's. I mean, that's that's he makes a beeline for that at the end of verse eleven. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. In order that in everything God would, would receive glory in the most seemingly, now it's not menial, but in the most seemingly menial task in the church, in the most unseen thing, Going up and embracing someone who's hurting. God is glorified in that when we draw from His supply, when we draw from His strength. Speaking one sentence when it's the utterances of God is better than speaking a thousand sentences better from us. God is glorified. There is no higher aim in the church. There's no higher aim. Paul says this in Ephesians 3, um, when he's talking about, now to him who's able to do beyond all that we ask or imagine, according to the power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church, now and throughout all generations. There's no higher or more worthy purpose than this, that God would get glory in our service in the church. The gifts, now it says through Christ. I was like, why does it say through Christ? Why didn't it just say that? so that God would be glorified? It says through Christ. Why? Because the gifts come through Christ. The gifts come through Christ, right? We've all received gifts. They come through Jesus. Grace is lavished on us through Christ so that we are now stewards of grace. And the service is offered or is, to, is should be offered through Christ. Isn't it amazing? God is in all of this from beginning to end. He lavishes his grace upon us. He calls us stewards of grace. He gives gifts. And then he says, speak, but draw from my words to speak. And serve, but draw from my supply to serve. So grace comes from God like an ocean. We are like rivers and we should not hoard And be bad stewards, but liberally distribute what God has given us and thus be good stewards of God's grace through Christ. And it all flows when we do it this way. It all flows. The ocean of God's grace comes to us and it all flows to the glory of God's, or excuse me, the ocean of God's glory. What joy and life and glory to God. What grace, what a privilege to serve in the church. So I want us to rethink this morning what service in the church is and then I want you to stir up, as Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you and distribute the grace that God has given so that he's glorified and the church is strengthened and built up. Let's pray. God of all grace, God of lavish, limitless, Wondrous grace. Let us never, God, think of amazing grace as just ordinary grace. Let us never, God, lose sight of this unspeakably wonderful reality called grace. You've given us gifts by grace. You saved us by grace. You call us stewards of grace, and you want us to use our gifts which is simply distributing grace. God, wreck us this morning with your grace, I pray. In a good way, God. Overwhelm us, God, this morning with your grace. God, if some here never have known your grace, God, I pray, speak life this morning. Shine light, God, into souls. Let us see Christ, Holy Spirit, come and lead us to Jesus through whom all this wondrous grace comes. And I pray, God, that from our time this morning, there would be many who would give themselves in a a renewed way or maybe for the first time to serve in the church deliberately and to do it with all their heart and with all their might, but to do it As one who's received grace and is simply distributing grace. Like Paul who said, I worked harder than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God in me. So God come, I pray. Seal this message upon our hearts. For your glory and for our good in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay in your seats. We're going to finish our service this morning with the Lord's Supper.
0: I'm so encouraged just to think about how we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper um, just in light of what Josh just shared. Um, you know, I think in 1 Corinthians 11, as you know, we're to do this in remembrance of Christ. So why do we do the Lord's Supper? Why do we do communion? It's in remembrance of Christ and what he did. Um, you know, just as I thought about this, God, God loves us. Obviously, he gave his life, for us Jesus did um